What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murder. everybody and welcome to the new listeners before we get started on today's episode a little bit of business check out our other shows speaking of hauntings and speaking of missing persons if you like this you'll like those check out our patreon patreon.com slash missing murdered haunted if you want to see pictures from today's case check out our instagram uh you can check out our facebook links for our socials are in the episode description if you have case suggestions, send those over to our email, missingmurderedhaunted at gmail.com. Did you say Patreon? Yes. Oh, okay. Which we have a shout out at the end of this episode. Yep. Yeah, we got a new shout out at the end of this episode uh, for a new Patreon. Pa- patron. Patron. <laughs> oh, one last thing, though. Don't forget to hop on wherever you're listening and give us five stars. Leave a comment. Leave a review. It really helps us get out to more people so they can hear these stories too. So all of that said, Sarah, let's finish up Ted Bundy. Okay, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I don't want to. Well, you want to hang out with Ted for a while longer? Absolutely not. (laughs) I just feel like this is a way to start a day traumatizing poor Samantha. Eh. All right. Well, where we left off with Ted was he was being linked to the abductions and murders in Washington and Utah. He was charged first, though, with the murder of Karen Campbell. That took place in Colorado. Ted was not happy when he was transferred to Aspen, Colorado, though, in January of 1977 to face the murder charges because, well, one, he was professing his innocence, but two, he didn't like the conditions in the Colorado jail. He liked Utah's prison. It was kind of cushy, and he was given more things. Why should he get to pick? He didn't get to pick. He was just pissed off about it. Well, then he shouldn't have murdered there. Shouldn't have murdered anywhere. Yeah, he shouldn't have murdered anywhere. I get that, but... (laughs) I'm just saying... At this point, he was being housed in a jailhouse instead of the actual prison. So he was, like, in their jail waiting for his trial. In May, he pled not guilty, and in June, was helping with his own defense. And I'm going to just go ahead and say this right here. I'm not going to go into his big, long trial at the end of this because people have seen it. You can watch it on YouTube. We're focusing more on these poor girls that he murdered instead of on his stupid trial, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, during this, he the judge was allowing Ted to use the law library since he was helping with his own defense. He was also letting Ted come to court without being shackled. It was like... This judge didn't really believe he was guilty. 
which this is what led to Ted's first escape on June 7th, 1977. He dressed in several several layers of clothes because even though it was June, it was in Aspen. So during the day it was warm, but at night it was still pretty freezing. During the mid-morning recess for his trial that day, he went into the upstairs library and noticed that someone had left a window open. So he pretty much climbed out on the ledge and jumped out the window when the coast was clear. From what was this like a third story or it was a second story second story yeah it was two stories high which he ended up hurting his leg but we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit he ran until he was on the outskirts of town then he took off the top layer of clothes that he was wearing his plan was that he was gonna climb the aspen mountain which was 10,000 feet high, and he wanted to reach Crested Butte that was 25 miles away on the other side. So his plan was, I'm going to climb this mountain and then walk, like go another 25 miles to this other town. Yeah, and it didn't work out for him, though, because the terrain was way too rough, and he got lost. After five days, though, in the wilderness, he found a cabin. That was empty, so he broke in, slept, ate whatever food he could find, then he stole a twenty-two rifle, bullets, blankets, a torch, and a first aid kit, and then headed back out. Like I said, he injured himself when he jumped out that window, and his leg was starting to actually swell up, so he was having a hard time walking at this point. Well, he stumbled back into Aspen. So he was going in the complete wrong direction of where he wanted to go. So it wasn't on purpose. He just no, got lost. No, he and- got lost and <laughs> ended up back where he started. This time he stole a car to try to escape because of his leg and he didn't think he could keep going on foot. But he was stopped again because... Like, on his way, he was going towards Denver at this point, and on his way, there was an avalanche that was blocking the road. He ended up getting pulled over at 2 o'clock in the morning because he was swerving, because Ted didn't know how to drive the Cadillac that he had stolen. He was used to driving that little tiny Volkswagen Beetle, so he wasn't drunk. He just didn't know how to drive the damn car. Sounds like nature didn't want Ted to get anywhere. (laughs) Nature's like, fuck you, Ted. Well, once he was back in jail, he was no longer allowed to use the library, and he was required to be shackled when he was out of his cell. But he also, well, he kind of got screwed because he escaped from the courthouse and pretty much all of the court-appointed attorneys that he could have gotten witnessed this. So they couldn't really defend him. They saw him escape. Like, they knew he escaped. So he couldn't really find a lawyer now. They really screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah. Well, this made him ask for a new venue for his trial, and it was granted. The trial was going to be moved from Garfield County to El Paso County in Colorado. This 
was bad for Ted, though. Like, he didn't, he didn't really think that through because in El Paso, they were very pro-death penalty. If he was found guilty there, he would be facing the gas chamber. Oh, boy. Lord. While waiting for the transfer, Ted started planning his next escape because he was like, hell no, not going to the gas chamber. Well, he realized that inside of his cell, there was a light fixture that was loose. Like, one part of it was loose. He took a small hacksaw blade he had been given by another inmate to cut the rest of it loose. Like, cut the pieces that were holding it. I don't think it was, like, really holding it in place because he would take it in and out. So, because he, at first, just climbed up in the ceiling to explore and see where it would take him. And other inmates reported hearing the noises from the ceiling of him climbing through it, but the guards ignored them. And were like, okay, yeah, there's someone crawling through the ceiling. Yeah. Well, also, during this point in time, Ted heard that Liz which was his longtime girlfriend, if we remember, was getting married to another guy. Uh-oh. So he decided that he was going to start talking to a woman he had known for a long time in Seattle named Carol Boone, and she believed that he was completely innocent. Completely innocent. So she started sending him things, like, you know, that typical, like, become, she pretty much became obsessed with him yeah, and proving he, that he, he get, was innocent. Didn't he get married? Yeah, we'll talk point? about it. Right. On December 30th, 1977, Ted told the guards he wasn't feeling well. He then stacked books, clothes, and other items in the shape of a body under his blankets and then removed that light fixture. Does that actually work for people? Apparently it did. He climbed into the ceiling, which at this point he had figured out would take him to the head jailer's apartment. And Ted, had, Ted knew that this jailer and his wife were going to the movies that night. How convenient. Right. Once he was out of jail... He, again, tried to steal a car, but couldn't, so he hopped on a Greyhound to Denver. He then took a plane to Chicago, and from Chicago, he took a train to Ann Arbor, Michigan. It took 17 hours for the jail to even realize he was gone. <laughs> 17 hours. In Michigan, he shaved his head, his facial hair, and then went and got super drunk at a bar and was looking all kinds of creepy. He then went to the library to figure out where to go next. He originally wanted to go to the Gulf Coast, but he didn't like any of the universities there. But if he's just going to go back to college? No. Oh. No. Right. Right, 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 right. So he got it. <laughs> so he ultimately decided that he was going to go to Tallahassee, Florida, because it was 25 miles inland and was the home of Florida State University. But once he got there, 
he almost immediately changed his mind because he said the college was like a slum. It was not what he expected. And he almost left there and went to University of Florida, which wasn't too far away, but he ended up staying in Tallahassee because he was running out of money. He rented a room with the last of his money and started stealing to get by while he looked for a job. On January 14th, 1978, Ted went to a disco called Sherrod's. Even though he would later say it wasn't him, he was like, I wasn't there. But he had stayed, like, he had been going there night after night. So people were starting to, like, recognize him because he looked older. Well, he was older than a lot of them. At this point, he was, like, 27 or 28. And they're, like, young college kids that are going to this place because it is also located right by sorority houses. The club, like I said, was near sorority houses, but right next door was the Chai Omega sorority house. And this is the story that most people know when they think of Ted Bundy. And it's horrible. So hold on to yourselves. As everyone grabs give a myself a big old hug. As everybody grabs a different body part. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> well, I mean, you grabbed your chest area. Samantha wasn't sure, so she just kept going back and forth. And um, I'm going to tell you right now, Shauna grabbed a crotch. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, what else do you grab when someone says, hold on to yourselves? Yeah, hold on to your bees and your peas. All right, well... At the Chi Omega sorority house, a girl named Lisa Levy, I should say girls, so it was Lisa Levy, Deborah O'Brien, which was her actual like roommate, and by that I mean in her room, and Melanie Nelson, they all decided that they were going to go to Sherrod's at 9.30 that night. But Deborah ended up leaving with a guy friend, Melanie stayed until they closed and Lisa went home around 11:30 and Lisa ended up going to bed around 1:30 in the morning. Her room was across the hall from a girl named Karen Chandler and another girl named Kathy Kleiner and they had already been asleep by the time Lisa went to bed. Next door to her room was a girl named there were two girls Margaret Bowman and Kim Weeks. And Kim was out of town this weekend. Well, other girls started coming home between 2.30 and 3.15 a.m. Because this is a sorority house. There's like 40 girls that live here. The last one home was a girl named Nita Neary. And like a couple of the girls before her, she found that their back glass lighting door was unlocked. So the story is, is that multiple girls had come home, found this door unlocked, had locked it, and then went up to their rooms. And this happened multiple times, that the same door kept getting unlocked. And nobody knows how. Well, she did the same thing, locked it, then turned off all the lights that had been left, out, left on downstairs and was going 
to go upstairs when she heard a thump coming from above her head, like upstairs. And, and then someone was running across the landing. Then a man comes running down the stairs and went out the front door. At first, she thought that one of the girls had snuck this dude in and he was like just running out before he got caught. But she noticed that he was carrying this big stick in his hand. She decided that she was going to tell her roommate what she saw, who told her we should tell the house president, like that this dude was in the house. Well, while they were telling this story to the president of their house, Karen Chandler staggered from her room, doubled over with blood covering her face. The girls immediately called police and went to check on Kathy Kleiner, which was her roommate. Kathy was sitting cross-legged in her bed, in her blood-soaked bed, rocking back and forth. Nita would tell the police that it was a white man who looked young. He was 5'8", 160 pounds, thin build, clean-shaven, a darker complexion with a big nose wearing a dark toboggan cap, a dark waist-length jacket, and light pants. So she, like, got a good look at this dude. What is a toboggan cap? A toboggan is, like, like a beanie. A beanie. It's a beanie. It's a beanie. Oh, okay. I'm like, you say toboggan cap. The only toboggan I've ever heard of is a kind of sled. Well, it's like like a... It's like huh? a you would the wear toboggan it. Comes the toboggan over your face comes with over like your the eye holes and and people wear it like when they ski, I guess. But you can also wear it as a beanie if you roll it up. Okay. Well, she have you seen like you know like robbers in like movies that have the ski mask. Yeah, ski mask. That's what that's pretty much what a toboggan is. It's a ski mask. Okay. Well, this matched a description of a man that had been seen earlier lurking near Sherrod's. Patrolman Oscar Brannon arrived at the sorority house at 3.22 a.m. He immediately issued a bolo to all patrol cars in the area. Both Kathy and Karen suffered horrendous injuries at the hands of Ted. Karen's skull was fractured along with both cheekbones and the orbit of her right eye. Her jaw, arm, and finger were broken, and she had deep gashes to her face and head. Kathy had a broken jaw and multiple cuts and contusions to her face and head and had lost three teeth. Both girls were rushed to Tallahassee Memorial Hospital, where they underwent emergency surgery which they both survived. By the time Kathy and Karen were rushed out by EMT, the police had 40 co-eds freaking out in the hallway because their friends had gotten beaten. Right. So they kind of herded them into one of the empty rooms while they were trying to do a sweep of this house. And it was this point that they found 20-year-old Lisa Levy lying lifeless in her bed. Ted had almost chewed her nipple completely off. The fuck? And had bit her, like, very deeply in her left butt cheek, which would ultimately be his downfall because they compared it to his dental records. 
She had extensive injuries to her vagina and her rectum, which police figured out later on that she had been assaulted with an aerosol can. She had also been severely beaten and died of strangulation. Officer Henry Newkirk then checked for another girl that the girls were saying wasn't accounted for, which was 21-year-old Margaret Bowman, who was in the room right next to Lisa. He entered her room and found her lying in her bed covered to her head with her blanket. When he pulled the blanket back, she was lying on her stomach with her head facing the wall, her legs were spread, and there was blood on her pillow. She had been hit in the head and had massive bleeding from her forehead and right ear. When he rolled her over to check for a pulse, she didn't have one, and her neck appeared to be, like, disjointed, so it was broken. There was no evidence in her room of a struggle, and she showed no signs of being sexually assaulted. But her underwear had been ripped off with so much force that it left burn marks on her skin. So is he just, like, planning to go from, like, room to room to room that night and just get as many as he could? He was in, like, a complete fit of rage. So, yeah, he was just going to take out as many of them as he could, pretty much. Okay. After Ted left the sorority house, he was seen walking on Jefferson Street by a man who was driving by. The man called police because he was sure it was Ted Bundy from the newspaper. Just four blocks west of Chi Omega was a street called Dunwoody Street. And at around 4.15 a.m. in apartment 431B, a girl named Debbie, I hope I don't like butcher this too bad, I think it's Cicerelli, woke up to what sounded like her 21-year-old neighbor, Cheryl Thompson, crying and pleading with someone. Their walls were connected. They lived in like a duplex. So she could hear through the wall her neighbor crying and begging for, like, this person to stop. She then heard a loud thump and then silence. So Debbie ran and woke up her roommate, and they heard footsteps, so they called out to Cheryl through the wall. When they got no response, they tried calling her on the phone, and when they got no answer, they called the police. By this time, they heard moaning and someone moving around in Cheryl's apartment. The police arrived in three minutes. Oh, that's a great response time. Because they were only four blocks away at the sorority house. So they arrived in three minutes, but Ted was already gone. Seriously? Yeah. They found Cheryl on her bed, barely conscious, con, con, can't say it conscious Conscious. thank you (laughs) i couldn't say it she's covered in blood ted had beat cheryl over the head with the stick he had used at chai omega thankfully he had not sexually assaulted her debbie had interrupted him when she heard her through the wall and started like you know yelling for her or whatever he 
didn't have the opportunity to sexually assault Cheryl. He did, however, masturbate on her and left sperm on the bed. She was found naked from the waist down and had a pair of pantyhose. There was a pair of pantyhose on the bed next to that semen mixed with blood. He, like, he was pretty pissed that he got interrupted in this whole ordeal. So it, like, fueled this rage that he was already going through when he started this night. He had left that blood-soaked log on the scene at Cheryl's house. She survived, by the way. But her jaw was broken. She had permanent hearing loss in one ear and partial loss of balance, which pretty much ruined her whole life because she was in a dance program. She was, like, had the opportunity to have a dance career, and he ruined that. She could never dance again. Police figured out that Ted had gotten this piece of wood from the wood pile behind Chai Omega House when he had broken in. Like, when he originally went there, he didn't have a weapon. He just took this piece of wood out of their wood pile out back. After these attacks, Ted went back to stealing. He was stealing purses, then using the credit cards to buy whatever he wanted. He also stole a license plate from a car that was near Cheryl's apartment. And then he stole the keys from a white university van, went and made copies of the keys, and then returned the originals. After using these credit cards all over Tallahassee, Ted drove to Jacksonville, Florida. On February 7th is when he went, and by the 9th, he was in Lake City, Florida, where he parked outside of Lake City Junior High School. (sighs) For fuck's sake. This is where he would take his next victim, who was 12-year-old Kimberly Diane Leach. She was walking between the buildings on her way back to gym class when Ted spotted her. He walked up to her and just took control of her, dragging her to this university van that he had stolen, and he sped away. The saddest part about this is that a firefighter named Andy Anderson was driving by the school at the time and would later tell police he saw Ted take Kimberly and that she was crying, but he thought that Ted was her dad and that she was just in trouble is why he was dragging her to the van. Yeah. Ted drove to an isolated area and did what he does. He stabbed her from behind and then slit her throat, though. He left her body under what they said was a hog shed where police wouldn't find it for two months later. I looked up what a hogshed is. It's literally just four wooden posts with the roof. There's no sides. So it's like a sh- it's like a makeshift shady area for pigs. And it's kind of low to the ground-ish. After this, he drove back to Tallahassee, ditched the van, and then spent several days trying to leave Tallahassee again. Because he thought, okay, 
I'm going to get caught if I keep staying here. So he was trying to get the hell out of there. He wanted to go to Texas, but he kept getting intercepted. Like shit kept happening to keep him from being able to leave. At around 1.30 a.m. on February 15th, 1978, he had made it to Pensacola. He had tried earlier to steal money from a woman's purse at a bar, but he got caught. What year was that? 1978. So very drunk, he got back into the car. So it was a stolen car. And he was heading for the Alabama state line. But he missed his turn and got lost in an industrial area. He was driving in a suburb of Brownsville when he was pulled over by Officer David Lee because this cop ran the license plate number and figured out it had been stolen from a car by Cheryl's apartment. So Stolen from a car? When oh, he the stole plate? the license, license plates. Gotcha. When he did that to Cheryl, when he was leaving her apartment, he stole license plates off of her neighbor's uh, VW van. And when he get, got pulled over this time, he had been driving a Volkswagen Beetle again. He had stolen one because it was pretty much all he knew how to drive, which I think is weird. It is weird. Right. I, okay. <laughs> I mean, if it's got gas, brakes, well, and it the was steering wheel. apparently a piece of shit car that kept breaking down on him, but he kept trying to make it work. But whatever. I mean, all cars have the same basic functions. Inner workings, yeah. Yeah. You got a gas pedal, you got a brake pedal, and you got a steering wheel. And even then, even if his Beetle was a stick, that he should be able to drive any stick. I think it was the size. More than anything. Like, he didn't know how to navigate cars that were bigger than a Volkswagen Beetle, which is, like, any car, especially in the 70s. It was, like, a tiny car. Anyway, when he got pulled over, Officer Lee ordered him to get down on the ground at gunpoint. He was like, I am fucking playing with this dude. Lee got one handcuff on Ted. And then Ted rolled over and punched Officer Lee in the face. Then he kicked the officer's legs out from under him and took off running. Lee gave chase, firing one bullet but missing. And Ted kept looking back to see how close Officer Lee was to him. And I guess... He, the officer saw the handcuff glint in the light and thought that Ted had his own gun, so he fired again at him. But it was just the handcuff. Well, this time Ted went down. Officer Lee approached Ted thinking he was dead or injured, but he was neither of those things. And when the officer leaned over Ted, Ted again kicked his legs out from underneath him. This time, though, Officer Lee hit Ted in the head with the barrel of the gun, and Ted fell down bleeding from his head. When he was arrested, he gave a fake name. He had stolen 21 credit cards from Tallahassee, and these were on him when he got arrested. So they called the police in Tallahassee because of these stolen credit cards. 
Against the judgment of his appointed attorney, Ted agreed to tell them who he really was if he got to make a phone call and if they delayed announcing it to the public. Who do you think he called? Anyone? Liz. 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 Liz, I mean. Yes, he called Liz. He told her he was sick but did not want to talk about any murders when she asked. He just told her he was sick. Days later, he called her again, but he still would not talk about the murders. He told her again how he was just sick, and he knew what he did was wrong, but it was too much for him to act normal when he wasn't. He told her that he did not have split personalities, he did not black out, he told her he remembers everything he had done. On July 28th, at 3 p.m., the indictment from the grand jury was handed down for the murders and attacks at Chi Omega. Ted would face these charges, then he would face the kidnapping, murder, and murder charges for Kimberly Leach. Between the two counties in Florida, he was facing a total of 60 felonies. Holy shit. Colorado wanted him back for the murder of Karen Campbell and the two escapes. Utah wanted him back for the Carol DeRanche abduction. And soon, charges would come from Washington and Idaho. So people were fighting over him, over who would get to be the one to convict him. Ted's lawyer wanted him to accept a plea deal because he was like, there's no way to save you. Like, you need to take a plea deal. But he refused and decided to represent himself. Of course. During this time, Carol Boone came to Florida to see Ted. She was more in love with him than ever, and somehow they got left alone, and some people think Ted bribed a guard, but they were left alone long enough to engage in sex with each other, which resulted in Carol becoming pregnant. So Ted Bundy does have a child in the world. He has a daughter, doesn't he? A daughter, yes. So pretty much anyone who knows anything about Ted, his court, like his trial was televised. He made a huge spectacle of himself in front of reporters and at one point decided he wanted to marry Carol. But uh, Florida was like, no, no, you may not. But Ted was like, mm, there's a loophole. If I, I, th- I think it was if he asked her during his trial if she wanted to marry him and she said yes, like if she was on the stand being questioned and he asked her if she wanted to get married then there was some weird ass loophole in florida that meant they were automatically married from that point on and that's what he did but how do you come about a law like that (laughs) i don't know she did end up divorcing him years later but she was married to him for a little while while he was on death row yeah it was some weird loophole because he was the lawyer so he just was like Carol, will you marry me? She said yes. And then he was like, okay, now we're married. 
in the state of Florida. Yeah, because it was in court in front of an officiate. In front of a judge and yeah. So they got married. I like Florida's During idea his better. I like Florida's idea better. Even God wouldn't approve of this marriage. <laughs> well, no. They were married. And Ted would spend a long time still claiming he was innocent. Until the very end, when he was trying to save his own life. Then he started confessing to anything they would listen to trying to get them to postpone his execution date. Oh, like as long as he kept talking, right. he would push off the day. That's what he wanted to happen. Thinking that they're going to want all the information. Yes. Yeah, he thought like you if can't I... You can me yet, I have more stuff to tell right. you. Right, I can tell you where the bodies are, I can tell you who I killed, I can tell you like why and don't you want to like examine my brain and like don't kill me kind of a deal. It didn't work out for him though, but we'll get to that in a second. Another fact about Ted Bundy is... While he was in prison, the Green River Killer case was, like, the Green River Killer was killing people in Washington. Yeah, the exact same time as him, right? Well, no. It happened after he got arrested, I think. Well, he became, like, big news while Ted was in prison. And Ted actually sent a letter to police in Washington offering his help. To try to catch the Green River Killer. And I think just for shits and giggles, they went and talked to him. But he turned out to give them almost, like, the most complete, accurate information about who they were looking for. Like, Ted's profile of the Green River Killer was extremely accurate. It was more accurate than what police had come up with. But... Obviously, the Green River Killer wouldn't be caught until years later. But people said that Ted did this because he was jealous and he was no longer in the limelight at that time. And that. So he wanted him caught? He wanted him caught because also this is happening in his home state. And he's like, catch this motherfucker, get him out of the news, pay attention to me. Like, hello, I'm, you know. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. But that's what he did. So. We'll get back to he started confessing, telling all these different police jurisdictions like what he did, trying to get one of them to like go in front of a judge and like get his execution postponed. Like a stay of execution. Right. But they ultimately decided that having the information they could get from Ted Bundy was not worth Ted Bundy still being alive. And the chance of him escaping again. So on January 24th of 1989, that would be his execution day. He did not request a last meal. So he was given the standard last meal, which was steak, medium rare, eggs over easy, hash browns, toast with butter and jelly, milk and juice. He did not eat any of it. What a douche. <laughs> That's a waste. That actually doesn't sound half bad. All he did was just drink a glass of water. At 6 a.m., his head and calf were shaved. They then had him shower, 
an applied gel to the shaved areas of his body. The superintendent, Jim Barton, arrived with his tape recorder and asked if he had any final statements. This is when he admitted to killing Denise Oliverson and Susan Curtis. He then denied killing anyone in New Jersey, Vermont, Illinois, or Miami. Because all of those places had um, unsolved cases that they were trying to pin. They on were him. trying to pin on him, and he was like, "No, I killed no one in those places." He smoked a final cigarette, and at six fifty-seven a.m., he was escorted to the execution chamber. As he was being strapped into the electric chair, his last words were, "I would like to give my love to my family and friends." Then his head was covered. And the hooded executioner that pressed the button, has people have always said that it was a woman, but no one knows because they wore a hood. And he was pronounced dead at 7.16 a.m. at 42 years old. How long was he in prison, technically? From 78 to 89. That is a short time to... Live out an execution charge, like yeah. a death penalty charge. They only you get like well, a they, long time. Yeah. Typically, it takes anywhere from fifteen to twenty before you actually get executed because you have to now go through your appeals and all that stuff. Now it does. It's, yeah, back as then time it was, has gone on. It's gotten the, longer. The wait time for executions have gotten longer but if you go back into earlier america early 1900s 1800s 1700s the farther into the past you get the shorter the wait time for execution was and i think with ted and i (laughs) like the 1800s oh it was like like, the next day or that day yeah. yeah i think with ted's case he was so many other states wanted him and every single one of them were going to give him the death penalty that it was like how can you appeal this really even if you appealed it you're going to be going to another state yeah I know. and the same thing well, happened i get it i'm thinking of the calcasieu courthouse episode on hauntings if you haven't listened to it go listen to it but well tony joe she wasn't in prison for incredibly long before she was executed no. I mean, true. I feel like that has become more of a thing since the 90s, where they get so many appeals. I think it's three. I don't know. But that is the end of Ted Bundy, finally, and I am sorry that it took four parts to tell you the story. <laughs> but he is a lot. He was all over the place. Yeah, I'm not sorry at all. Like, I, you know what? The The... I like the in-depth, I want to know what all they did. I want to know the whole story. I mean, in all honesty, uh, I knew that he escaped and went to that sorority, but I didn't know the extent of it, to be fair. It was always about the trial. Yeah, most people talk solely about his trial because it was a big deal. It was televised. He was representing himself. And yeah, and people like women were still like falling in love with him during his trial because they thought he was so charming. Yeah. Which was so weird. They were like, they were scared of him and also like in love with him at the same time. It doesn't surprise me that it was four parts though because he what? He killed in six different states? Yeah, Washington, Utah, Idaho, Colorado, Florida, five. 
Well, didn't he kill in Oregon too? I don't know, Samantha. It's been a it's been a long <laughs> four weeks. I don't remember. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did, let us know. Hop on wherever you're listening. Give us five stars. Leave a review. If you have a case suggestion, send that to our email, missingmurderedhaunted at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to us or see pictures or whatever, all of our socials are linked in the episode description. Does anyone have anything else they'd like to add? No. (sighs) I don't know. No. No. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Wait. Oh, I thought you said no. I changed my mind. I kind of actually want to tell you what the judge said to Ted Bundy when after he got sentenced because it's like people make it a big deal. So I don't want to leave it out. All right, let's hear it. So he said, take care, young man. I say to you sincerely, take care of yourself. It's a tragedy for this court to see such a total waste of humanity that I've experienced in this court. You're a bright young man. You'd have been a good lawyer. I'd have loved to have you practice in front of me, but you went another way, partner. So he was like, you did a really good job representing yourself, and if you would have just went the path of a lawyer, you would have been a great lawyer. Meaning that he would have had the status he wanted any fucking way. Right. Uh, That's kind of a kick in the ass. So that's how I'm ending you. This, not you, this. I was going to say, damn. She was looking right at me when she said that. This is how I end you. (laughs) This is how I end you. Also, before we go, Jack, thank you for subscribing to our Patreon. Yes. Newest patron. Patron shout out, Mr. Jack. Yeah, Mr. Jumpin' Jack Flash. We really appreciate your support. It means the world to us. We can't tell you thank you enough. Thank you for supporting the show and supporting us and helping us make a better show. So if no one has anything else. No, this time no. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. (laughs) We'll see y'all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.